everybody, and welcome to Light on Method podcast. I'm really excited about this episode. Um, One of the unusual things about this episode tonight is I, or today, is that I will be interviewed by a good friend of mine, uh, Shanaz Sony. Shanaz has a, a vast background with science, and she understands the mechanics of how a lot of things work, whereas the rest of us kind of just live through the experience and don't really go into the scientific aspect of it. And if you've listened to um, some of my previous podcasts, you will remember that I've mentioned briefly that I experienced an out-of-body experience when I um, went through a very traumatic event. I remember it very vividly. It's not one of those things you just let go of, but I've never really studied how it happens in a scientific perspective or how that's even possible. For me, it was just a beautiful mystic experience. So the title of this episode is going to be Out of Body Experience, and it will be led tonight by my dear friend, Shanaz Sony. So Shanaz, welcome to Light on Method again. Thank you, Kathy, for inviting me for this um very interesting conversation because I'm so excited about having for us to go deep dive into out of body and what it means from a scientific perspective and from a personal perspective since you have experienced it yourself. Yeah, I'm excited and a little nervous at the same time. <laughs> it's just one of those subjects, you know, that I, I've I've briefly talked about but never been probed in and I've never really for whatever reason, haven't taken the time to learn about it, which I find surprising because I want to learn about everything, right? So I'm super excited about it. So um, I guess, well, you go ahead, give me whatever questions you've got, and uh, we'll just kind of go from there. Okay, so before I even give a question, what I'm going to do is out of body, right? Just the word itself implies that something is going out of the body, the physical body, right? And what that is, and uh, and of course, you know, I'm going to explain it from a scientific perspective and a little bit of a spiritual perspective because I do uh, dwell in both realms pretty deep. So out of body is kind of an experience where your energetic body is no longer within your physical body, right? So we are like a layered human system. And, you know, you you study, you you understand tree of life and Kabbalah concept, which goes very deep into the layered system that we carry as a human being, right? Because we're not just dwelling into physical dimension. We are way more than physical, right? So the thing that is very interesting is that I stumbled onto this paper. It was a classified CIA paper, by the way, Kathy, and it was actually written in 1983, which tells you that how much information is withheld from general population. And I stumbled on it just by virtue of my researching other things, and they just uh, declassified it in 2017, where they actually explain out of body from a scientific perspective. And uh, the way they actually defined um, out of body, which I'm going to Put it out there because then we can you can ask me questions in order to explain it further as we go through your experience of explaining that is that out of body puts the body's energy field into homogeneity with its surrounding environment and promotes movement of the seed of consciousness into the surrounding environment partly in response to the fact that the two electromagnetic mediums are now a single energy continuum. So basically, what it means is that your consciousness is no longer 
at the same vantage point as it was before, right? So therefore, it moves to a different vantage point, and therefore, your perspective, right, and the way you look at everything, is from a different vantage point. Yeah. So now, right. So that that is scientifically explained in that paper, thirty-page paper. And if, if, any, if anybody wants, we can even have a link attached to it. If anybody wants to go, we dive onto their own. But that is proven by the CIA. So now I want to ask you this question: Is that so we're going to go back in time, of course, when this incident occurred. However, I want you to kind of look at it from a standpoint where, first of all, what was the main trigger, right, that even initiated that experience? Because because you didn't have any prior knowledge of doing that before that experience happened. Oh, goodness, no. You know, I was 17, Um you know, and at 17, we're just living life, you know, we're, we're not really aware of all of those things, or at least I wasn't at that time. Um, you know, it was the thing that triggered it, I know, was because I knew I was about to die. I, it was a, it was a death to me at that moment was imminent. And I mm-hmm. just didn't want I didn't want my last moments to be, I didn't want my spirit to be in my body <laughs> in that, in that time, at that time. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. hundred percent. Because, you know, and it's funny you said near death experience because a lot of time people end up experiencing out of body as part of the near death experience. Yeah. Yeah. It, so, you know, I mean, I had, well, you know, for everybody listening, I guess they're going to want a little backstory. But at 17, I was I was abducted, kidnapped from a parking lot. Um, a, a man jumped into my car on the passenger side as I was backing out of a parking space. And this was on a military facility. And it was during the, um, the, the Iraq War, the first one in 1988 was when this happened. And... Um, so, you know, it was nothing to see armed men walking around everywhere. You just kind of get desensitized to that. And you feel somewhat safe on a military base. But anyway, um, as I was backing out, this man jumped into my car on the passenger side, and he had a three fifty seven Magnum, and he put it on my, my right rib cage. He kind of dug it into my rib cage. And he said, I just want you to drive where I tell you to drive. And I did that, and I started to notice, and I, you know, you know, everybody's like, well, you could have driven off the side of the road, but when you've literally got a gun pointed at your, in your abdomen, you, you do what you're told. So um, we were going to, he took me to this wooded area, and I knew once we started going that direction, this was not going to be good. And. Yeah, yeah. So, Kathy, if you can take a tiny pause, because I want to make sure. Sure. When you said that he put the gun, and you actually explained exactly the type of gun he put, is it because you were just very familiar with gun at that point, or how did you know that that was the type of the gun? At that particular time, I didn't know. I, I, I figured it out uh, as the story goes on. I, it, it all, I can explain that. But at that time, I okay. just knew it was a large gun, <laughs> you know, because okay. those That's are. Why I want to make sure. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty large guns, and um, so, so we got we got to where he wanted us to go, and I knew it was really going to be bad. 
And I was in the driver's seat. He was in the passenger seat. And he, as soon as the car was in park, he reached over and grabbed me with his left hand and pushed my forehead into my driver's side window, uh, you know, door window. And with his right hand, he took that gun and put it right at the base of my skull. Oh, and, God. And at yeah. that moment, I, I just, I thought that was it. And, you know, it was, the, it was the strangest thing because I took a big, deep breath, and I whispered, God, I don't want to be here right now. And <laughs> I'm getting chills. As soon as, yeah, as soon as that happened, I was brought out of myself. Um, so I, from that point, I remember starting to view what was happening to me from above. Um, it, it felt like I had been placed. So this was a very wooded area. There were trees all around. And it, to me, it felt like I had been placed on a tree limb. Um, and and I don't know that, that that's possible, but that's how it felt. Okay. So you were in the car, right? When he, uh, you know, basically he was pretty much, uh, assaulting you, uh, extreme assault, you know, by having to put the gun right on the uh, base of your, uh, skull, right? Right. You were still in the car, uh, at least your physical body was, Mm -hmm. and right at that point, you're... You, you basically made a prayer, like a strong prayer, and you said the prayer was heard kind of almost, and, and right away you start experiencing life from a different vantage point. Is that right? Yeah, you know, as soon as I took that deep breath, I, I, I had this incredible calm just wash over me. Like, like, I knew if I were about to be killed in that moment, it was okay but I just said, I don't want to be here right now. And as I said that, I remember my next thing I remember was like I was sitting above my car, but I could see through the car, if that makes sense. I mean, you know, this, this all sounds so strange, but it's so possible in those circumstances. So I was seeing things. It was almost as if the car was a convertible, like I could look down from a bird's eye view and see what was happening. Okay, so take a pause here because I'm going to explain that scientifically as well. So first of all, I want to say that, like, okay, and we will probably have to do another podcast on that subject because we do live in a holographic universe, okay? So our body perceives holographic energy pattern given off by people or things interacting in time-space reality we are enabling interface with dimension beyond time and space, right? So what, what you were already experiencing, it was no longer confined with the time and space dimensionally that we encounter. Okay, so our body accelerates. That's why it accelerates the process of enhancing consciousness. That's why, you know, Robert Monroe has spent so much time and energy, right, trying to get people to experience that through gateway process. But what I wanted to say that what you also did was because you were no longer, you were energetic um, existence, basically, and therefore energetic existence uh, can pass through matter, which is a called quantum tunneling, right? That means when you were looking through your car, you were not obstructed, right, by the metal, the physical right. metal of the car. Right. So, so yeah, that makes all sense to me, but I want to make sure that I explain that. So now continue on, please. Yeah, I just thought that was a cool supernatural thing, <laughs> you know, that, that I got to experience. 
Um, so from that point, it's really kind of funny because at that point I'm watching it, but I have an aware, I have a very keen awareness of what's, what's happening to me um, as I'm watching it. So from that point, he, um, he, he told me, he goes, you just do what I say. And he, and, and he said, I won't kill you for now. And, you know, I thought, I, I, maybe I can get out of this. You know, as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, okay, maybe, maybe this will, you know, somehow I can find a way out of this. And from there, he had a um, set of handcuffs, and I was handcuffed. So I had no defense physically, um, and he had a switchblade knife, and he cut off my clothes. And I just remember watching all of this from above but there the weird thing that i do remember was almost as if my spirit that was watching was channeling to my body how to behave because i stayed so calm i was probably the and i'm a calm person but i was incredibly calm i was non-combative i mean there was no i there was no need for me to be combated. I was handcuffed. I was in an isolated area. I had no defense. So my only defense was to to maintain my calm. So for a 17-year-old girl, I was very calm. And I remember channeling through my, my spirit, channeling to my body, my physical self, to try to relate to him in, as a human and I remember through the whole rape and and everything that was happened, I just kept trying, my spirit kept saying, just try to talk to him. You know, just try to touch something within him. Um, so, you know, through this whole process of, of being sodomized and raped and abused and and all of that. And, you know, he would toy with me like, I'm going to kill you now. And then he wouldn't, you know, and things like that. Um, I, I maintained that calm. And, and I felt the presence of, I like to say, God with me, um, sitting with me, you know, through this experience. There was something sitting nearby that was comforting me. And no matter what happened, whether I would have gotten killed that day or had survived, which I did, <clears throat> I had something with me. Right. So, okay, so first I wanted to confirm that you were no longer in the car when he, uh, you said when he started, you know. Yeah, I was. I was. We were in and out of the car um, often. Okay. Yeah, okay, it was so just. That's what was going on. Okay. Yeah, it was no. a, a little car. It had a, it had, a, it was actually a, uh, I forget the name of it. It was a little brown Honda, something another, but it was a little hatchback. And um, so, you know, part of it, he would he put the hatchback down and he drug me back there, or he would take me out of the car. Um, it was back and forth, but I really don't have a, any recollection of me being there. There were maybe once or twice that I remember the incident as if it was my body. And that's when I recognized the gun. So there was one moment that I remember when we had already gotten out of the car and we were getting back in the car and he had me sit in the passenger seat and he was in the driver's seat. 
and the he had the gun sitting on his lap and and i i looked i took a really good look at that gun and and just for that moment when i looked at that gun i remembered a huge portion of that serial number on that gun which is impossible if if you know my memory <laughs> you know it's my mind is all over the place so it's really you know that was incredible to the investigators and then wow. at, at the moment that I remember, I just remember have that flash of that. And then I was back up in the tree. So it was almost like I entered my body just enough for my consciousness to, to remember that, that, to remember details of what was happening to me. Um, I remember the gun really well. I remember his insignia, his chevrons. I, 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 totally memorized his face um and and because of that all of those things it was very easy for them to find him right so the interesting thing is uh, so you mentioned many things and and we're going to get probe into that so one of the things you said is that your consciousness was moving from you know being sitting on a tree versus being in kathy's body right at will pretty much based on whatever you wanted get done right because you when you wanted the information to get stored in your physical memory right for you right. for your right so you actually and that transition was occurring without any effort pretty much yes it was almost like when the the when the 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 horrible physical abuse of it, it i felt like that day i had found this portal that was there for me and um and I was being guided as to what to do. I, I did not feel alone. I really felt like I, I was with someone. Um, and I was being, it's almost like I was being, this whole time I was being coached as to what to say to him, how to appeal to him, how to calm him. Um, you know, and it was, it was through that that it opened up a whole new thing of, of believing for me, right? Because suddenly I knew we weren't just physical. I knew it. You know, we all think we're not physical. We all believe in spirit. We all believe in, you know, a soul. But until you feel your soul leave you, 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 you don't exactly understand. Right. I mean, the fact, yeah. And it's interesting that how you created that experience for you because the fact that as i said that we do attract experiences in our life right for us to take us to the next level of evolution and for you to do that at the age of 17 was because your entire life i mean that incident is a huge foundational incident right for everything you did from that point onwards because it was such a, a massive uh, experience right i mean it's like i don't think you can say that any other experience can ever compare to that no, no, but it taught me, it taught me something really incredible. And then, you know, it was after that, right after that, that I, I went into labor with my first son and it was on the same military base. Um, it was a good year and a half later and I was having a really hard labor. I'd been in labor a long time and I didn't have any, you know, pain meds or anything. And um, I, I hallucinated and it was very similar to that. It was very similar to that experience, except in that hallucination, my grandfather 
showed showed up. My passed away grandfather showed up, and the next, I mean, my grandfather's coaching me through labor. It was as if he was standing right beside me, and we were fishing. And it was so funny because with every um, contraction, he was telling me to cast my line. And then when it was time to push, I would reel my line back in. And I really related it to that experience because when that happened, I wasn't in the labor room in that pain, you know. Um, I was fishing. And I think there's this part of our brain or our mind that when you're in that ex- those extreme circumstances that I think once that's been triggered you can access it again because I fully feel that if I was in a similar situation again because I I have that knowledge stored in me I could do that again I think we all have that ability I think it's just a matter of finding yourself in the situation to know how to access it I completely 100% agree. You know why? Because that is the main reason when people who live a life where they end up, you know, enduring more pain, right? I mean, people who are, let's say, even in military, right? What they go through physically, uh, you know, when they're in a war situation or when, you know, people have uh, things happening to them, like, you know, even what we see in the movies, which does happen in real life with uh, in the war situation. And the very fact that when you go through something like that, then yes, 100%. And that's all, that is like you basically ended up experiencing like a threshold, right? Like a threshold of extreme pain because he, and pain and also extreme fear in so many ways, right? Being completely helpless in the surrounding that was completely unfamiliar with a person who was extremely violent. Right. So you pretty much, you pretty much exceeded all your threshold by experiencing all of that all at once. And the funny thing is that when you said it opened the portal and I, I really loved you know, as you know, these are like subjects that we can go on and on. But yeah. you know, there are twelve there are twelve portals based on the sacred geometry of flower of life through which an information can come to a human body. And so that's available to you at all times, right? And when you open a portal and when you start connecting with it and accessing with it, then what happens that you already have established that connection. So of course you can tap into it. And the very fact that in your case you're saying that it comes in a different shape and form. So for you, like during the labor, you actually did experience that it was your grandfather, right? Right. Who was communicating with you. But in this particular experience, you did not feel who was communicating with you, but you knew that there was somebody helping you run the show without you getting all wild out because, I mean, anybody would yeah. under the same circumstances. It was a very um, God feeling. It was a very reverent um experience you know it's it's hard to explain to people that you can go through something so violent and be violated so deeply um and yet be grateful for the experience um and it, and it took something that violent for me to be able to access that portal um and i would and you know maybe maybe as if i had matured it wouldn't have taken something that that violent. But, you know, I believe I'm one of those believers that, you know, we're, we're put through tests and, and, and we're put through things that we're meant to learn from. And that's just something I was meant to endure. Um, but, but the, the way it turned out 
and and the way it made such an impact on my life and my belief and in the mystics and in the spirit and in things we don't understand um, was a gift. It was a true gift. And I really feel like I was in the presence, the very presence of God. That is, that is amazing, right? And, and okay, so when, so, okay, so explain for the sake of everybody who's sure. listening to this conversation, and even for me, like, what is your understanding of God? You know, I, I don't believe in the old man in the sky. You know, I don't believe that there's this um, ever judging thing out there that's, you know, watching. I just believe that there is something that created all of us and that it, it, it is, a, is a creation of love. I believe all life is a creation of love. Um, and I believe, you know, I just, I don't believe in that ominous heaven and hell and all of that. I just believe that there is a grand designer out there that created this universe. And if you are open to learning from it, you can learn more about yourself than you could ever imagine. And you won't even be scratching the surface. Um, I believe in the, the, the ancient traditions. I believe there is a divine feminine, there is a divine masculine, and yet they're all the same. Um, I believe in reincarnation. I believe in so many wonderful things. But to me, God is just everywhere and in everything. And there's beauty in everything. See, and I find beauty in that moment. So if you can find beauty in something like that, then you can find beauty in everyone and everywhere around you. It's the human that gets in the way. Yes, basically, because the fact of the matter is it all boils down to a different perspective, right? A yeah. different, like, different way of looking at things. Because for the most part, all the growth occurs when you are in extreme pain. Because I had... I had huge growth occurred two years ago, and you remember that, right? Going yeah. through the yeah, so, that was horrible. <laughs> that was horrible, right? Yeah. And the interesting thing is that every time, uh, and I always say that, like I think it's like every time when you get beaten up, uh, you basically come even stronger than you were ever before, at least in this physical existence. That's how I have felt in my life, and it seems like that experience uh, made you a person that you were a whole different person after that experience. I was, but you know, the thing was, it took me a while to appreciate that and to get there. I was so young, um, you know, and I was still, I had, I still had a lot of learning to do. <laughs> I still had a lot of pain and growth to go through. And really, it wasn't until I had matured many years later that, that the gravity of that moment started to really come home to me. Um, you know, that, that experience lasted for about six hours. And um, when we got near the end, he was getting ready to shoot me. And I just very calmly looked at him. I remember looking down at what was going on. And I, before I said anything, the, the God presence that I felt with me, which to me, in a lot of ways, is my higher self, you know, I think God lives within all of us, and it is your higher self. But um, this was a much wiser higher self than that 17-year-old sitting in that car. 
But the higher self or the God presence that was with me pretty much said, gave me an ultimatum. You know, it's either you can come with me now, and meaning I would, I would die, or you can use this experience to make something of your life. And, it, and that came to me as if, it, as, somebody, as if you would have said it to me, as if someone literally said it to me. I heard those words. Um, and I made a promise. I made a vow that day. I made a holy vow that day. Because to me, I was promising God in the presence of God something. And nice. I, I promised that I would do something with my life and, and I would help others. I remember saying, I will do something that helps others. And I had no idea what that was or what that meant or what God intended for me. But mm-hmm. I, I realized in that moment I had to have a purpose. Now, being 17 and in a not-so-great relationship that, you know, had a lot of its own abusive issues. And um, that, and then, you know, it, when I got out of that marriage, I got into another one. You know, I still had a lot of learning to do. But, you know, throughout all of it, I always knew that presence was there. and But I always felt like I wasn't keeping my promise, too. So at, um, I guess I went, once I hit about 40, it really started to gnaw on me. Like it, it was almost like God was tapping me on the shoulder. Like, do you remember that promise you made me? And it was, it was just one of those things I couldn't ignore anymore. You know, it was like, okay, it's time to hold up to my end of this bargain And I really started, you know, and I'd always dabbled in these studies, these things that you and I talk about, spirit, Kabbalah, you know, all of these different things. And I I just started, I had always enjoyed yoga. And it's a very self-reflecting practice. It it requires meditation and going inward. And it was one thing that had stuck with me through all the years. And I just started to take it seriously for the discipline that it is. And I started going inward and reconnecting to that moment and other moments in my life where I was lucky to get out of it alive. You know, I've had several close-to-death experiences, not just one. Um, And each time I felt like I was saved for a purpose. And I started, you know, making yoga a business and... I know I touched a lot of people's lives with that business, and I know that I changed a lot of people's lives with that business. And and I feel that that was my duty to do that and not really to seek reward for it, just to do that. You know, and if we all did that, if we all set out into this world to make a difference, no matter how small, and even if you don't even know you made a difference, you know, it's not about the um, being told how great you are or needing that attachment to the doing good, right? To just do it. it. It started to click and make sense. And I feel like from that point forward all the way to now, like every day my purpose is to wake up and to do things that make a difference or to be kind and to help someone, you know, Um 
that's what that experience brought to me. That out-of-body experience brought that to me. Now, it may have taken me a few years to get to the place to understand what happened and what I'm supposed to do with that. And I'm still figuring that out. But had it not been for that experience, you know, who's to say what I would, I, I could be the most superficial person you would ever meet. You know, it's, I'm just so grateful for it and in awe of it. You know, and I feel like if I was ever put in that experience again, and I hope I'm not, um, but if I were, you know what, I would be okay either way, because I know my soul, this body's just a carrier. My soul's going to go somewhere else. My energy's fine. You know, it's this, this world, this earthly realm we live in is... It's not all there is, you know, it's, it's not. Right. There is more than meets, meets the eyes. Right. And that's, that's been embedded in me from day one. That's the reason I've made it as far as I have. And even though I didn't go through as significant of experience as you did, my experience has been more rippled throughout life in many different forms. But it's very interesting when you said earlier, and I want to highlight that for everyone else is that when you don't follow your calling and you keep getting distracted by the worldly uh, dramas, right? Which right. you and I have done it with our, through our marriages and through our relationships. Then ultimately you get your ass kicked because, you know, uh-huh. the ass kicking happens <laughs> one way or the other, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like a wake-up call. And yeah. it has to happen when yeah. we are distracted from our original and when we are going in the flow, right? Like you are right now and even I am. The more you go in the flow, the more you feel aligned, right, with that with that Godness yes. that you have around you, right, and then you feel like you are having the most magical life. I mean, that's yeah, the recipe. Yeah, you're complete. You ju- you nailed it. Like, yeah, I mean, if you know, like, you can. God's the architect of the universe. He designed all this. It is, you know, every every soul that's brought into this world, He has a plan for it. I believe. No one's brought here by accident. Um, And some people are meant to do things that, you know, we're all meant to do different things. And some people may have more of a significance in a lifetime, not significance, but more of a major role to play. And but the thing is, no matter what role you're playing, it is significant. You're here for purpose. But if you're not following the purpose that you're sent here to do, you're going to be thrown a lot on your plate. He'll make you find your way, right? Um, or, or you could choose not to follow that path and never find that purpose. And and for me, I'm very grateful for being able to find that purpose. And, you know, but I also believe that, you know, I, I, and you may agree with me on this, that I believe we agreed to this life before we're ever brought into it. Um, I believe there's a contract that's made before you're born into the world and you agree to the life that you're going to live on this on this planet and and when I started really looking at things that way I understood that I understand life better you know I have a daughter that's you know um, a heroin addict and it's very hard as a mother um, when you are faced with something like that but her life is her contract with the universe and 
as hard as that is, I agreed to be her mother too, you know, and um, life is just, you just have to look at life in a way that how can I make the most of this and how can I learn from it the most and how can I use it to help others? And, you know, as a mother and she's, well, you know, she's in her late twenties now as a mother, I have to let her live her life. It's hers. You know, it's hers. But what that out-of-body experience gave me that I would like for a lot of other parents out there who have a similar situation is whatever your child or, or anybody you love is going through, they signed up for that life. And, and no matter how it ends while they're here, it's okay. You know, it's okay. Um, they were sent here to learn a lesson from that experience, and they're gonna they're, their soul is gonna store that experience. And maybe on the next go round, things will be different. And as a mother, I hang on to that hope. You know, I hope. You know, I, I figure her soul had to go through this experience for her to have empathy, maybe in another life or something. You know. It's just that out-of-body experience has given me that sort of perspective. When I see people, you know, I, I really, it's changed the way I look and judge people. Um, because once you understand spirit and the, and the physical body, you understand that this planet is a big school. It's a big school, yeah. <laughs> you know, and just like, yeah. just like the school ground. You have bullies, you know, you have the athletes, you have the brainiacs, you know, I mean, this is just a big school. Yes. And I think it's funny you ask that, uh, that I, what my uh, understanding is, right, in terms of how we uh, kind of sign up for this life. And even though we don't, we all get amnesia, right, just the way the whole right. um, everything is. And therefore, we don't even remember. And Either way, I completely agree that we are definitely here because to me, it's all about evolving, evolving. Mm-hmm. It's like a conscious evolution is what we are here for. And if you start looking at it from that perspective, then all the other things like labels, judgments, all of them, they kind of disappear because the interesting thing is the more we have a strong emotion towards something, especially even judge. It's funny because yesterday my, my 10 year old was telling me that he completely hates this boy who basically is very egoistic. That's what he said to me, right? Oh, wow. That's a big word for a 10-year-old. <laughs> and then I said, well, how can you hate him? Do you, did you love him at one point? And he's like, no. And I said, if you didn't love him, then you can't hate him because those are the two uh, coin, you know, two sides of the coin. Right. So, And I said, do you really know him? And he said, no. So I said, the fact that you're using such a strong word, I mean, it's obviously you're judging him for him being egoistic, but what's in you that is egoistic as well that he's projecting you back as a mirror, right? So I was explaining that because I teach classes in this. And he's like, mom, I'm not as egoistic as he is. I said, good. That means what he's doing is magnifying glass for you. So it's good to know that you don't like that attribute within yourself. And then, of course, my 17-year-old was there too. And he said, yep. Yeah. Right. So, so it's kind of interesting, right? The conversation was completely taken in a different, and I wish we can, everybody can start doing a little bit of that to help bring harmony in this world, especially when it comes to judgment, because whenever you're judging somebody else is because they're reflecting something back in you that you may not have to the same extent, 
but you definitely have some part in you that is why it's triggering you. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I look at it now, like people ask me all the time, have you forgiven your rapist? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I did a long time ago, a long time ago. Now, do, do I, do I forgive the act that was committed on me? No, but here's the thing is if I believe I was meant to go through that experience, then somebody had to be the messenger that brought me that, right? Exactly. And then he also paid the price. It's he's paying like a he's price. Yeah, he's paying that price. Uh, as far as I know, let's see, that was 32 years ago, and I think he is still in prison. Um, that's a price. He lost his family. You know, he was married with three children. Um, but mm-hmm. more that, you know, but more than that, the price he paid to me is having to live that existence in this lifetime. That's the price he paid. He agreed to this when he was born into this world. He agreed that he would do that act. He agreed that he would go to prison. He, I mean, to me, he agreed to that whole package. So oh, I know, and I'm, I feel sorry for him, by the way. Yeah, I mean, I, I do too. But, you know, if I'm so grateful for what I what came out of that experience for me, then I have to forgive the person that brought the experience to me. You know, for me to hang on to the hatred of it takes away from the lesson. Um, you know, so I let that go. I have forgiven him. I hope he's really learned from it. I hope his soul has evolved as a result of it. And, you know, I hope in his next incarnation, he's a much more improved, you know, soul, soul, who actually has empathy for women and respect. And, um, you know, maybe that's what he needed in order to have that in his next incarnation. Right. Yeah, that that I agree. It's, It's definitely very interesting because you know like uh, when people uh, you know who believe in reincarnation and past life right they always say that we do a lot of role playing and we always have to do different yeah. role playing just to see the other uh, sure to see different vantage points right because you want yeah. to experience that so you can understand that from a whole different perspective and to me as I said I feel sorry for people who have uh, to go through an experience because to me, like even just being in this physical body, and you probably felt it uh, by going through that experience. That it's a very, it's a very limited perspective we can have when we are within this physical body. Yeah, it's a thick thing. I mean, it's such a thick, dense realm, the physical, you know, um, and and that's why it's hard to escape it. You know, it's it's like um, it's sort of like the lotus flower. You know, we're mired in mud in this physical existence. And once you can get past that, you know, you open yourself up to the beauty of the world, just like the lotus flower does. And and I think that's what I got a glimpse of, is that, you know, if you, when you truly connect to spirit, you can leave that body. You can. <laughs> and exactly. and that's yeah. a magical, although it, it's, it's technically, it's not magical, but it feels magical. It sounds magical, but I believe it's entirely possible. It's like meditation, you know? I mean, if you really get to a really good place in meditation, your spirit is somewhere else, although you're still still sitting there in your physical body. 
You know, your mind is incredible in the places it can journey and go. Exactly. And see, that is exactly how even the astral projection, right, which is pretty much out-of-body experience, except that you're doing it by preparing for it, by going through a certain process, like gateway process is one of the ones that Robert Monroe has uh, that he uses, right, uh, which basically means brain hemisphere synchronization, right, to enable human consciousness to establish a coherent pattern of perception in those dimensions where speeds of the oscillation drops below Planck distance, uh, 10 raised to minus 30 centimeters per second, creating a step out of time and space. So that's actually uh, how it's explained in a scientific world. And uh, the very interesting thing about astral projection is that you're doing it because your will is involved and you're actually doing it because you want to experience it. But I would always uh, encourage everyone who does that or wants to do it is that whatever you do, you just have to make sure that you know what's happening. Because even in your case, when you were having this out-of-body experience, your physical body, since you were not in your physical body, right? Your right. physical body, basically, you have to come back to it every time you wanted to do anything that required your physical consciousness to be seated within your physical body. But mm-hmm. if you leave it, for example, to the point where, let's say, if you're going sightseeing, I mean, right. if you didn't have that luxury because you were not doing it uh, under uh, positive circumstances, therefore you couldn't just say, okay, let me leave my body. Because if you would have done that, you would have 100% died. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've thought about that, too. I've been curious how that worked, you know, like, energetically, my body was still functioning, but my soul and my spirit were not there. Um, So I've, I've been curious, you know, where is the separation of energy and spirit, you know, um, because but but then you think it, it was such a traumatic event that I could have chosen to check out you know I I, I really believe I could have because at that moment when I said that I was given that choice either go back in your body and have a life of purpose or you're going to come with me Um, I think at that moment I could have chosen you know I I could have either went back in my body and I could or I could have said I want to go with you and I believe that could have been it right there Right. So that was a huge crossroad for you to decide whether you want to continue the life in this physical body or not. And, and, and you know, there are many people who have had different experiences. Most of the people I know had health-related reasons where they were dying or they were dying, you know, in the middle of the surgery and they were given a choice to come back and so forth. And it's always that when they do make a choice of coming back, that's when their life takes a whole different uh, kind of tangent. And Mm. you know the whole thing when you said that even though you were 17 and it took you like a long while, maybe at the age of 40s when you really proactively started doing what you promised at the age of 17. And the time, you know, is only in this particular dimension that we are in the 3D world. So therefore, a lot of time it takes time to catch up to the information that you already have stored within you. Well, you know, it was... It was always there. You know, that promise yeah. was always there. And and there was always little things that were leading me to the next place. Um, I was being led breadcrumbs, so to speak, because I believe in divine timing. And yeah. I believe we, even though you're given a grand lesson, you still have things to learn. And I don't believe that anything I did was a mistake or anyone I met was a mistake. 
Um, it led me to the perfect place and perfect time that I would have the most impact on the people I needed to make an impact on. So, you know, I, I would say, you know, once I, I started to get, you know, a big time in my life that was a transition was 33. At 33, mm-hmm. I remember something in me starting to shift. And I mean, a major shift. And then it, and so I started doing little things like reading about, you know, different spiritual concepts and different, different beliefs and, you know, just diving into different little things and expanding my awareness into all these different philosophies and just starting to flower, just starting to grow. And so from like 33 to into my 40s, I would say about 12 years later, everything works for me in numbers. Every 12 years, I have this major, you know, epiphany. (laughs) But um, when I got my 40s, I was like, okay, this is it. Repay time. I know what I need to know. You know, I'll, I'll be learning for the rest of my life. I don't know all I need to know, but I know what I need to know right now at this point to set this in motion. And I did, and I started it with a vengeance. I was just like, this is it. This is the rest of my life. No matter what I do, if it's just making jewelry where I put so much spiritual purpose into that, or if I at Light on Method and trying to help someone figure themselves out, or I'm teaching a yoga class or counseling a friend, I'm doing it from a place of spirit and love. And I I think that all goes back to that out-of-body experience. Yeah, and it's interesting you said you're with numbers, and I'm very much with numbers too. And especially right now, uh, lately, at least for the last few years, I'm completely following the Tesla code, which is 369. And it's interesting you said uh, when you had the experience, it lasted for six hours. Uh, Then you said when you were 33, right, is when you started kind of getting into it, which is number six. Right. Then you said every 12 years, you you initiate where 12 is a numerology of three, which is a triangle, which is all about creation, right? Right. So nine actually kind of is all about creation. Six is magnetism, which is where rubber meets the road. Nine is. Completion, which is coming to the end of the rope, right? Uh-huh. So, and we are in number six, by the way, because you know we are in the year twenty. I know, yeah. I love it. And I, I know. know both you and I have so much in common. Even our ages are in common, and uh, this actually is a very interesting year because it is all about magnetism and it's all about making it happen. And it's a love number, you know, in tarot card, right? Number right. six. So there's just all, all that excitement. So I wanted to actually wrap up because I know you and I can speak for hours. But we can. one thing I wanted to <laughs> is that, so I, so this is how um, so I wrote this down, that outer body is a projection of eternal spark of consciousness and memory. So the eternal spark, what that is, is an energy pattern based on flower of life that represents human consciousness. And everything that we talked about was... Uh, under out of body was more like about that particular spark and where it gets seated, it has that vantage point which gives that perspective, that information, and then you are opening that particular portal. And in your case, you know, in your life at the age of 17, you basically experienced the very, um, you know, I mean, like like the out of body experiences actually help you save your life. Yeah. That experience truly was remarkable in so many ways. And then it also created a foundation for you for everything to come. 
and for everything to come from here on as well, because it is an ongoing journey. We are here for evolve, constant conscious right. evolution. Yep. So, yeah, so I'm very glad, actually. And thank you, by the way, for sharing a very vulnerable experience you went through and helping everybody see that that basically, you know, even in extreme situations, because you are more than a physical body, therefore you can help yourself get out of it. And whether even if you would have chosen to leave at that point, that doesn't mean because, you know, your spirit is eternal, whether your body, your physical body is not, but your spirit is. Right. You would have been on some other venture of yours and you would sure. have had some other journeys to experience. So it's all about a choice, right? It's sure. all about choice and it's all about experiencing. So everybody needs to remember that, you know what, we all have to be a little bit open Mm-hmm. things and not be so rigid about our physical dimension or physical no. things that it, we're experiencing every day. Exactly. And before we end, I would like to add that you, the one gift, another gift it gave me is it completely eradicated for me a fear of death. Mm-hmm. Um, and how, you know, had I chosen to not come back into my physical body that day, sure, my physical body would have died. I, I would have, he would have killed me or I would have died. But I, I'm not afraid of death. Now, do I want to die? No, I'm not in a hurry for that. But <laughs> I'm not afraid of it. I'm truly not afraid of it. You know, when it happens, it happens. But there's 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 so much more, you know, like my my spirit, my energy will be back. It will go somewhere else. It's it's I just it eradicated that irrational fear that so many of us carry about death. And now when someone passes away that I know, love, care about, or whatever, I, I'm not sad for them. I'm really not. I'm 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 kind of like, where are you? You know? Where are you going next? What's your next adventure? And that that's life. Yeah. That's life. Right. And thank you by the way for saying that because I know a lot of people do have that subconscious fear, even though intellectually they may know or they have certain belief system, right, where they know that, okay, they'll be fine, but still subconsciously they can carry that fear of dying. So I'm glad you mentioned that you have proved to yourself that there won't be ever any kind of death, and it seems like that there is nothing to worry when it comes to dying because you just go from one one, uh, dimension to another dimension, and also it's just a matter of changing. They say, like, you're changing your iron man outfit, right? Because like all this physical body is like we're wearing an Iron Man outfit and then we just end up going into other adventures. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, the death here is a rebirth somewhere else. So <laughs> it's, you know, I, I, I don't, you know, I, I, again, I'm not looking for my death. I, it's not something I'm pursuing. But there is, because of the experience I had, there is an excitement in me to know what comes after this life. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The sky has has no limit, and there's more than meets the eyes. (laughs) So, you know, it's to graduate from this school, you know, or to to go up to the next grade, you know, to the next, you know, to become a sophomore or a friend, you know, wherever you are. And we have to keep that in mind in this life that some of us are, you know, some of us are in kindergarten in this world, and some of us are getting ready to graduate. You know, so we're all very different, but we're all learning, all learning. Yes, and they're all evolving. Yep. 
Yeah, thank you, friend. Um, I love this. This was great. Thank you for for bringing this out, and maybe it helps someone. And if you guys have any questions um, from the scientific aspect, you can contact Shanash. She would be happy to explain all that because I don't know that stuff. Um, so tell them how to find you. Yes, so you can actually find me. Uh, my name is Shanash Soni, and it's basically my first and last name dot com is my website where I have all my information. So it's Shanaz, S-H-E-H-N-A-Z, S-O-N-I dot com. And uh, I'm extremely uh, grateful for Kathy and I to do these podcasts and bring uh, information out to everyone so they can learn from it. And hopefully it will help everyone in their evolution journey. Exactly. And if, if anybody has any questions for me about my experience or have a similar experience and they want to discuss it and, and compare notes or anything like that, contact me. I'm happy to help. Uh, we're going to have a little little change up in the podcast here in the future. Um, Shanaz and I and another friend, Leah, we're going to create a forum of the three of us where we're going to each take turns hosting and bounce different subjects off of one another and have a little chat hour about whatever that subject may be. So that's coming in the future. So lots of fun and exciting things. Um, If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, subscribe. Um, And if you have any friends that are interested in this type of subject, have them subscribe as well. Shanaz is going to offer some very interesting perspectives on things from a more intellectual um, perspective than I have, a science perspective. Her upbringing is much different than mine. And then Leah was a a helicopter pilot in the Army. Um, So we're very three different ladies, um, but we all have the same goal. So just kind of tune into us and hopefully we'll all learn something along the way. Schnaz, I adore you. Thank you so much. And we will talk again soon. Thank you, everyone. Namaste. Namaste.